that for the average British adult, 84,000 hours in their lifetime are spent at work, of which 4,890 of those hours are overtime. May feel like more for you, who knows? And did you know in a lifetime, apparently we spend, the average Brit spends 94,192 miles traveling to work, commuting. In our workplace, we have over a lifetime 812 workplace arguments. It may be more for you, or it may be less, who knows? And did you know, in our workplace, across a lifetime, we spend 7,967, we make 7,967 cups of tea and coffee for our colleagues? Maybe more for you. And did you know, every year we spend, we think about quitting our jobs 16 times. In short, for the British adult, nearly a quarter of our life is spent at work. Now, whether this is something that you'd call paid work in an employed capacity, whether it be housework, whether it be looking after family, whether it be looking after friends, some sort of caring capacity, whatever that might be, most of us have something in our life other than sleep that is a significant chunk of our week. We spend things like Sundays going to church, but most of us on Monday to Saturday, there is one thing that we spend a good chunk of our time doing, whether that's school, university, family, certain activity, or it is some sort of work. Most of us have something in our everyday lives that takes a lot of our attention and a lot of our energy and a lot of our focus. That's what this series that we're in the middle of is all about, Every Day You. And as we've done before, we've produced these guides for you to take, to have a look. And there's questions, things for you to explore, videos to watch, doing groups, do it on your own. Do grab one if you haven't got there at the welcome point on your way out. If you want to make a small donation for the kind of publish, the publishing of the printing of them, feel free to. There's a little box there, but you don't have to. Feel free to take one if you'd like. So what is your everyday life like? What is that thing? And have you ever asked yourself, how does Jesus see that everyday life? Whatever you do, however you see it, the good news of Jesus is that that thing really matters. Whether it's paid, unpaid, whether it's valued by others or not, for Jesus, it really matters matters. And so what we want to do every week throughout this series is to interview somebody within the life of the church to hear about what their everyday life looks like. And so we're going to welcome Jess. Jess, why don't you come up? Let's give Jess a warm welcome as she comes up. Give Jess a microphone. Uh, It's good to hear just what somebody's normal life looks like. So Jess, for you, a large chunk of your week is spent at work. Why don't you tell us what's your job and what does that involve? Um, I'm an assistant head Senko at a primary school with over 700 pupils and we also have a speech and language resource space that I manage as well. Brilliant. So now Jess, you're a Christian, so therefore what difference would you say that makes to your everyday life? 
particularly um, at work? Particularly at work. Um, I work with the children, the families. I also work with the support staff, um, everybody from the senior leadership team down to um, the cleaner. Um, so I think as a Christian, those relationships are really important to build um, and to be an example as well mm. to others. Brilliant, brilliant. Now, one of the great things about following Jesus, though, is, is that you begin to understand just how much he cares about every aspect of life and therefore including your work. Have you ever thought to yourself, what, what do you think Jesus thinks of your work? Um, I think it's a privileged position to be able to really show Jesus in a different way. And that's how I see my position. Okay, brilliant. Final question then. What would be your one prayer for your workplace, for your work and all that you do? Um, it's really about ensuring that those children who are supported in our school in whatever way, they make that lifelong progress. It's not just that time within our school, but as they go through um, whatever they face, it's that progress that they have. Brilliant. And that's really important. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, should we pray for Jess, Jess? Should we, let, should we pray for Let me pray. Uh, Father, we thank you so much for Jess. Lord, we thank you for the work that she does and how important that is. And Lord, we thank you that she knows that she doesn't do that alone, that you go with her, you go in her. And we pray as she's talked that the children that she's involved in kind of blessing in, her li in their lives, Lord, we pray they'd continue to make that progress, that they continue to grow, they continue to thrive, Lord, we pray. And we pray that for Jess in all that she does, even this week, that she would sense your call and sense you at work in her and through her. Thank you so much for all that she does, shining brightly for you. Bless her, we pray, Lord God. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Jess. Great to hear from you. Let me put the mic down here. So I think from that reading uh, that we read earlier, that Dawn read to us, uh, there's a couple of things that impact us about how we all can see our everyday worlds. And the first is this. Did you notice that we can acknowledge and recognize God's presence with us wherever we are, whatever that looks like? You may know the Bible passage, you may not do. It's a, it's a passage that's sometimes referred to as Jacob's Ladder and the horror movies that are made of it and all that sort of stuff. But basically, it's a story of two brothers who are at war. Jacob tricked his brother Esau by uh, basically tricking the dad to giving Jacob the birthright, the inheritance, so that Esau, his older brother, wasn't going to get it. And as a result, Esau is out to kill Jacob. Jacob goes on the run, and he's on the run where at night he lies down in the middle of the countryside and falls asleep and has a dream. But in this dream, there's a staircase. But this staircase, this ladder, is different to any other thing like it so far in the Bible. Because elsewhere in the Bible, towers are built. If you like, staircases are built to try and get to God. You may remember the story of Babel, where people wanted to build a tower so big that they could get to God and be God. But here, the difference is, this is not humans trying to get to God. This is God stepping in to our world. Heaven touching earth. The divine interested in the mundane. 
Look at verse 15. We read it. God says, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. I'm with you. I will watch over you. I will bring you. God stepping into our world, his presence with us. In the middle of everyday normality, no wonder Jacob says these words. Surely the Lord's in this place, and I wasn't aware of it. He's discovered the extraordinary bang in the middle of the ordinary. So here's the question. We've heard about Jess's life, but what about yours tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock? The ordinary, whatever that means for you. What might it realize to see that God is there in there with you? The extraordinary in the ordinary. What might it realize to be able to say those words tomorrow morning at work or as you're looking after the grandkids or as you're in the gym or whatever it is, surely the Lord's in this place and I wasn't aware of it. Let me give a personal example of this. A few years ago, before we moved to Birmingham, uh, we were linked with an organization in London and the patron of this organization was the Countess of Wessex, Sophie, uh, uh, wife of Prince Edward. And we'd been to this place hundreds of times, but then one day the patron arrived. This is what happened. Here he is. Here's some photos. There she is with a younger us. Here she is, our new best buddy, Countess Wessex. What was interesting to me is how we approached that day compared to how we approached every other day when we went to this place. We dressed up differently because we're meeting royalty. And we minded how we acted. I even remember eating a bit of cake and dropping some crumbs down me and being severely embarrassed because I was in front of a princess and I dropped crumbs down me. And even as I was drinking, I can remember having a cup of tea and my little finger went up like that. Because <laughs> I thought that's what you're supposed to do. Because I was aware there was someone different in the midst of what was normal. We acted differently. Now, of course, for royalty, of course you dress up. And it may not be like that, but what might it mean for us in our normal place to realize surely the Lord is in this place and I wasn't aware of it? Now, it won't mean that you brush the crumbs off differently or put your little finger out, but it might mean you begin to see things very, very differently. A few years ago, I read a novel called A Sense of Direction, which was basically a travel story about two mates who go traveling the world. They're young, they're in their 20s, they're exploring, they're trying to find something. And this is the quote near the beginning of the book. And it really resonates with me, but I guess it resonates with others of us. Tom and I, that's him and his mate, held in common the hope that there might be a geographic ticket out of the problems of indecision, boredom and the suspicion that more interesting things were happening in more fashionable places to more attractive people. I'm sure I'm not the only one that that resonates with. That life should be different and the normal things of everyday life tomorrow at 10 o'clock, surely it should be more exciting with more energy and more transforming the world. And so we begin to try and look to go elsewhere 
because we're convinced that by moving elsewhere, that's where the action is. But maybe the call from this passage, and maybe we'll begin to realize that the extraordinary can be in the ordinary now, because surely the Lord is in this place, making the ordinary extraordinary. What might that mean tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock? As you're changing a nappy. As you're in a meeting that you wish you weren't in. As you're late again. What might it realize to say the Lord is in this place? That's the first aspect. But there's a second aspect uh, that I think resonates with our everyday lives. Not only is God's presence with us, but we begin to realize God's purpose is for us in our everyday. Not only is he with us, but he's got a plan for us right now where we are. If only we're able to see them. There's this amazing bit in the Bible, in the book of Two Kings, where, where God's people, as it were, are kind of up against the enemy. The army is about to invade. But suddenly we get a glimpse of what God sees rather than what we normally see with our human eyes, which is just the enemy armies. We read these words. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. The circumstances hadn't changed. What had changed was the perspective. Began to see what God sees. And now that might that mean for us. Well, Jacob saw angels coming up and down the ladder. Angels simply mean messengers, not necessarily floaty beings with wings. God's messengers coming down to us from heaven. And regardless of what's actually happening, what's obvious is God is doing something in the normal. Not only is he there, he's doing something. And what is that thing? Well, he spells it out to Jacob. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you're lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. You will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and the south. All people on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Do you see that? That's the purposes God has for you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. That God has called you to be a blessing to the world. To introduce your friends to the one who's calling them to himself and then to bless them. God's been doing what he's always been doing and he'll continue to do it through you. Building his people who want to bless the world. That word blessing can be, produced, can be translated flourishing, thriving, whole. It's about bringing God's wholeness to your situation. So what does that mean tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock when you're changing a nappy? Or when you're in a meeting that you'd rather not be at? Or when you're late again? Or when you're caring for somebody? Or you're at a school lesson? Whatever it might mean. What does it mean to help people get to know God and also to be a blessing to them? Well, I think it means several things. The first is this. The story that you're part of is not about you. So your job, it's not about you. You're part of a way bigger story, God's story of what he's doing in his world. Your everyday is not about your fulfillment, your financial security, or even your sense of self-worth. You're part of a big story, God's story. So what might this mean? 
What might it mean to recognize surely the Lord is in this place and I wasn't even aware of it? Well, I think it means several things as I come to a close. Firstly, do you notice the context of all this? Jacob is running for his life. This is not a breezy time for Jacob. He wished he was in a different place. The context of all this is hardship. And I'm guessing for some of us, part of the challenge we face is because right now we would rather be in a very different place. Life is full on challenging, even horrific for some of us. Dare I say, even there, God is right there with you. Surely the Lord's in this place. And I wasn't aware of it. Closer than a father. But do you notice something else? The circumstances don't change. What changes is Jacob's perspective. He sees with different eyes. And I'm guessing for some of us, this morning our prayer might be, Lord, can I see my everyday world with your eyes? When I was growing up, I used to be in church quite a lot. I grew up in church. I didn't grow up in church. I grew up in a house. But, you know, I used to go to church. And there was always this big push to go to the ends of the world, the ends of the earth, to be a missionary for Jesus. Brilliant. But if I'm honest, I've got less problems with going. Part of the problem, the challenge, is staying in the normal, mundane, ordinary. I grew up thinking, longing to change the world. It's easy to see what that might look like if you're traveling here, there, and everywhere. What does it look like tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock when you're changing a nappy, when you're late for a meeting, when you're really struggling? Uh, Recently, I was reading about a guy called Cardinal John Henry Newman. If you've been around Birmingham a while, you may know of Cardinal John Henry Newman. He was a kind of Catholic priest in the 1800s, Newman University named after him and so on. But he was kind of a rising star who was kind of on the circuit in the late 1800s, whatever that meant in those days. And he was invited to Rome to preach. Big deal. This is what he wrote to the person who invited him. Love it. Dear Monsignor Talbot, I've received your letter inviting me to preach in your church at Rome. However, Birmingham people have souls, and I've neither taste nor talent for the sort of work which you cut out for me, and I beg to decline your offer. (laughs) I love that phrase, Birmingham people have souls. Uh, You may have picked up in the news recently, there's this movement happening in South Africa at the moment. Because what they're discovering is that in South Africa, lots of the young, educated, wealthy people are leaving South Africa to go to other, apparently more interesting, well-off places in the world. New York, America, London, Sydney. And there's a move, a hashtag that's been doing the rounds, which is this. Hashtag I'm staying. Where people are saying, South Africa needs us. I'm sticking here. And I wonder if the call for some of us this morning, who we know we've got that wanderlust, and it might not be for traveling the globe, but it is for moving on from one thing to the next until we find what we're looking for. And friends, if that's the reason you'll never find what you're looking for, part of the deal is trying to say, God, I want to see now with your eyes. Surely the Lord is in this place. 
And these people right now that I am face to face with, they're the people that you long to bless and you want them to know you. Stay is the new go. What might it mean to see that place now with God's eyes? To discover the extraordinary in the ordinary right where you are now. May we be a people who see what God sees about all that we're called to.